This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hello and welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you'll be blessed by today's program. My name is Warren, and today we are going to share the gospel with you. We're going to we're going to look at a book that talks about the life of Jesus. Um, in fact, two books that talk about the life of Jesus. One of them is called Steps to Jesus, and the other one is called The Desire of Ages. And both of these books deal with some very important aspects it is true that the best book we can read is the Bible but there are books that are helpful um, and so these two books are very helpful uh, The Desire of Ages is all about the Gospels um, but it brings it to light in a spiritual sense and Steps to Jesus is just about how to get to know him better so using the things that Jesus actually spoke and putting that into a book of how we can get to know him better. Now, we are happy to give away both of these books, um, Steps to Jesus or The Desire of Ages. Both of them are wonderful books, and we're just reading from them at the moment, um, giving you an opportunity to hear how good they are, and if you would like one, we'd be happy to post it to you. And... You can post it. Uh, sorry, we can post it to you uh, if you contact us. And there's a couple of ways that we can be contacted. One way is by email, and the email address is triple nine amazing grace at gmail dot com. That's nine 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 amazing grace, and amazing grace is only one G at gmail dot com. Or you could text or call us on 027-229-6624. That's 027-229-6624. And also you can contact the station and they have and do pass on um, information to us. So that's how you can reach us and we'd be happy to post those to you. If you have a prayer request, we'd be happy to pray for you, either on air or off air, whatever you like. And if you have a question for us, uh, we'd be happy to answer that. All right, friends, before we go any further, before we start our program, we're just going to pause and we're going to uh, offer a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to share with the people in the Manawatu and the greater region of the lower North Island and pray that uh, you would you would speak to them through myself and through the music. And uh, Lord, may, may our listeners and their families be blessed, we pray. Father, we know that you just 
love people so much, and we just give thanks for your incredible grace and mercy. And Father, we invite your presence today, asking and praying this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, we're just going to have a little uh, devotional thought um, to start off our program today. And it's entitled, it's about Jesus, of course. Um, this is not from either of those two books, but it's just a, um, a devotional. Jesus, our example. First Peter 2.21 says, for, for even here unto we were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Absolutely. All through his life, including his perfect sinless behavior, including his miracles, including Gethsemane and the cross, Jesus lived through a power from above. It was always through the faith relationship of prayer and communion with God, his Father, that Jesus experienced this power. Not even by thought did he yield to temptation. So it may be with us. His sinless life was given as our example. By his own obedience to the law, Christ proved that through his grace, the law could be perfectly obeyed by every son and daughter of Adam. Jesus' life in you will produce the same as in him. We are to overcome as Christ overcame. The Savior was deeply anxious for his disciples to understand for what purpose his divinity was united to humanity. God was manifested in him that he might be manifested in them. Jesus revealed no qualities and exercised no powers that man may not have through faith in him. His perfect humanity is that which all his followers may possess if they will be subjection will be in subjection to God as he was. Don't let anyone tell you that we cannot perfectly obey the law of God. There's too much evidence that this is not true. And it all comes from Jesus and the life that he lived and the teachings that he gave concerning his own life and how he lived it. Jesus became an example to us. If we consider the issue of sin in terms of relationship rather than simple simple behavior, the real issue is relationship with God and dependence on him versus trying to control ourselves. Jesus was our example in living his entire life through dependence upon God. When I study the subject, I feel as though I am on holy ground. It is a humbling to realize that Jesus came and lived like I have to live. Does this make me feel as though I'm far behind? It surely does. Does it discourage me? No, because Jesus has given too much evidence already that he loves us and will continue to help us and understand how he lived his life so that we too can overcome. We can take courage from that today. And we, I'm not talking about perfection. Um, you know, nobody can be perfect in their own strength. But 
if we are fully surrendered to Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there should be no reason why we should sin because his thoughts will become our thoughts. And I think one thing that's really important to point out is, you know, when the enemy puts thoughts in our mind or suggestions in our mind, that is not sin. So if you hate the thought that he puts in in your mind, then it doesn't belong to you. However, if you like the thought and you enjoy the thought and you cherish the thought, then you're in a different camp. That means that you you haven't fully surrendered your life to Jesus, but you can do. And if you live as the way Jesus lived, completely surrendered to his Father, it is possible to live a perfect life. But remember, it's not you doing it. It's Christ in you. As it says in first it says in Colossians one twenty seven, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can't do it, but Christ in you, him doing it and his power, he can defeat the devil because the devil is a defeated foe. But you can't defeat him on your own. You need Jesus. So the thing is we need to seek for Jesus and when we find him, we walk with him continually and Perfection should never be our goal. What should be our goal is to work, walk perfectly with Christ, is to never, that there would never be a moment that we are not walking with Him. And that's the type of perfection perfect surrender, perfect consecration, consecrating our lives. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves. A wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found Was blind But That saved 
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, we've been looking at um, dietary fiber, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of the things that, that New Zealanders um, really don't appreciate, most, of, most people. Um, and it's not until you or a family member get bowel cancer or colon cancer um, that you work out that actually dietary fiber is important. Um, this happened to my mother-in-law many years ago, and uh, she was a vegetarian, and her and her husband, my father-in-law, just couldn't work out why they'd been vegetarians, and she had bowel cancer. So anyway, they sent they sent her them to a nutritionist, and um, a, they shared what they ate, and what they found was that they were only eating. Well, they were eating vegetables and and fruit as we should be, and they were doing well in that area. But they weren't eating any almost any dietary fiber. Sure, there was you know I guess they they ate bananas and apples, but they ate you know we should be eating around about twenty five grams of dietary fiber a day, and I think I worked out that they were probably eating about somewhere between five and seven grams of dietary fiber a day, and that's just not enough. You know, um, there is a, a downside to eating more dietary fiber. <clears throat> you, will, you will tend to break wind more often, flatulate, and some people don't like this. In fact, I had a friend that I used to play golf with, and we went away on a, on a golf trip one time and um, he was eating lots of fruit with his cereal in the morning And but the only problem was that when we played on the golf course he, he sort of found it quite hard not to break wind and uh, he became embarrassed by this so one of the things that he did was he gave up eating the fruit because you know he just found it was too, too embarrassing for him at work at home and um, out on the golf course but the good thing about breaking wind is it doesn't Stay like that. It when you start, yes, it does. But the more you keep eating it, the less and less that you will have that problem of breaking wind. And so, we really, I really, really want to encourage you. I know Rex used to talk about whole grains. Well, it's basically the same thing. But you would find that most dietitians uh, would would encourage you, anybody who knows anything about health, will encourage you to eat more dietary fiber. Um, And so probably five servings of vegetables and at least two of fruit. Um, So there we have seven servings of fruit and vegetables. You know, maybe you like to eat less vegetables and more fruit. I've got a grandson who doesn't like vegetables much at all. He's only about four, but he loves fruit. And so he eats lots of fruit, and um, that helps to keep him healthy. And we encourage him to eat vegetables, and and quite often kids go through that sort of age of not wanting to eat vegetables. But eating, you know, at least seven. um, Also choose whole grain varieties of bread, cereals, rice, and pasta. You know, people eat a lot of people eat white rice because it's cheaper, but it's not good for you. In fact, if you eat lots of white rice, it actually has a negative effect on you. 
It may be more tasty, more fluffy, but I tell you that if you eat brown rice, you will be much healthier. And you do get used to it. Um, and I have certainly got used to that, that nutty, um, chewier taste of the brown rice or red rice or black rice. But the black rice is very expensive, even though it is very good for you. But I, I probably wouldn't encourage people to eat black rice because it's just so expensive. Okay, um, when you are baking... Try substituting half of the white flour with wholemeal flour, just to start with. High-fiber breakfast options include porridge or muesli, um, and you can add further fiber by adding oat bran or wheat germ, nut seeds, such as sunflower, sesame, pumpkin, and fruit, whether it's fresh or canned you will find that you will be much healthier. Try adding chickpeas, kidney beans or lentils to soups and casseroles and stews. If you're eating more fibre-rich foods, drink more water than usual as fibre absorbs water in the body. And it's so important. Now, we're going to leave it there for for today. Uh, We're going to continue to keep looking at dietary fibre because it could make a difference in your life. It could stop you from getting colon or bowel cancer or maybe some other cancers because you see the other good thing about dietary fiber is it helps to clean out your your blood vessels and it gets rid of the plaque and so um, high dietary fiber now I wouldn't suggest that you go from zero to a hundred in one day but you just slowly start building up the amount of dietary fiber that you have then you will find that your body will thank you for it and you will live longer and more healthily.
Listening to Amazing Grace here on Malawatu People's Radio. A way of escape. Even though Jesus took on himself our infirmities or weaknesses, he lived without sinning, doing away aways those things that pleased his father. Not only did he not sin, but he was sinless. He loved righteousness and hated sin or the word iniquity. He was tempted more than anyone who ever lived, but he overcame in the same way that we can overcome. It is often asked, didn't Jesus have an advantage over us? Well, of course he did. He was born God. But he never used his disadvantage because he laid it down, the power of divinity within him, and he lived his life as a man through the power of his Father from above him. He gave us the example of victory from above rather than from within. And that's why Satan kept tempting Jesus to use his own power. You know, he tempted Jesus to turn the the stones into bread. He tempted Jesus to cast himself off the temple roof. You know, Satan was always trying to get Jesus to use his power because he understood where many times we don't understand we don't understand what the issue was. Uh, 
Another mystery that we often waste endless hours in discussing is how Jesus could be in every way tempted as we are. It is a mystery that we are left unexplained to mortals that Christ could be tempted in all points like we are, as it says in Hebrews. The two mysteries concerning the nature of Christ are, one, how he could be born sinless of human parentage, and how he could be in all points tempted as we are. On the other hand, there are two things of major importance that we should remember concerning the nature of Christ. Number one, he had no advantage over us in meeting sin and the devil. And number two, he overcame sin and the devil in precisely the same way that we can overcome. By his death, Jesus provided a way of escape for us that we may might not die, and by his life, he gave us an example of how to live. And Jesus is our example. It's like that question that you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You know, if you're ever put in a situation, the Holy Spirit will immediately let you know what Jesus would have done in that predicament, in that difficult situation. What would Jesus do? And if you ask yourself that question, the Holy Spirit will always impress you of what you should do. And and so it's a wonderful way of knowing what the right thing to do is. What would Jesus do? Well, you know, if Jesus... If we walk with him, if we talk with him, we follow him, well, we will have a guide, but we also have protection and we'll have strength against the temptation. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome back to the second half of our program. You're listening to Amazing Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. And we're going to be reading the book entitled Steps to Jesus. And we're going to be reading from Chapter 5, and it is entitled Consecration. God's promise is... You will seek me, and you will find me, because you will seek me with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29.13 We must give all of our heart to God, or we cannot be changed to be like him. Our sinful hearts are unlike God, and naturally turn from him. The Bible describes the way we are as spiritually dead. Your heart and your mind are sick. Not a healthy spot on your body, Ephesians 2, 1, Isaiah 1, 5, and 6. Sinners are held fast by Satan. They are in the trap of the devil who had caught them and made them obey his will, Second Timothy two twenty six. God wants to heal us. He wants to set us free. To do this, he must change us entirely so that we have new desires and habits. But he cannot do this until we give ourselves completely to him. We surrender to him. The battle against self is the greatest battle ever fought. It is hard for us to give ourselves to God and to let him control our minds. But we must let God rule or we he cannot make us new and holy. 
Satan wants us to believe that we will be slaves in God's kingdom, blindly submitting to unreasonable demands. He says that God asks us to obey him without giving reasons for his commands. But this is not true. We serve God with our reason as well as our conscience. God says to the people he has made, Come now and let us reason together. Isaiah one eighteen. God does not force us to obey. He cannot accept our worship unless it is given freely with, with our mind. Being forced to obey God would prevent us from developing our minds and characters. We would be like machines, and this is not what our Creator wants. He wants us, the crowning work of creation, to make the best possible use of our minds and bodies. He teaches us about the great blessings. He wants to bring us through his grace. God invites us to give ourselves to him so that he may guide us and carry out his plans for us. He gives us the right to choose that we shall do. We may choose to be set free from sin and share in the wonderful liberty that he gives his children. When we give ourselves to God, we give up all that would separate us from him. The Savior said, none of you can be my disciples unless you give up everything you have. Luke 14.33 We must give up everything that takes our hearts away from God. Many people worship riches. The desire for wealth and the love of money bind them to Satan. Others desire honor more than anything else. They want people to look up to them and to praise them. Still others wish for an easy, self, selfish life with freedom from care. But we must, not, we must turn away from all of these things. We cannot belong half to God and half to the world. We are God's children only when we are entirely his. Some people say that they serve God, but they try to obey his laws without his help. By their own works, they try to develop a good character and receive salvation. Their hearts are not moved by the love of Christ. They, they try to do good works because they think God requires this in order for them to reach heaven. Such religion is worth absolutely nothing. When Christ lives in us, we will be filled with his love. The joy of his friendship will make us want to be near him. We shall think about him so much that we will forget ourselves, our selfish desires and about self. Love for him will guide every action. If we feel the love of God, we will not ask how Little we can do to obey him, we will try to do all that our Redeemer wants. People who say that they are Christians and do not feel deep love for Christ are using words without meaning. To follow Christ is hard work for them. Should we feel it is too much to give all of to Christ, we must ask ourselves the question, what has Christ given for me? The Son of God gave all his life and love and suffering to save us. Can we, who are not worth this great love, keep back our hearts from him?
well, it's no different to a, mar- a marriage, is it? To think that one person just showers love on the other and the other one is just apathetic about the relationship. That, that relationship will never work. And so it is with God. But look, friend, one of the things that I do is that I say, Lord, please help me to love you the way that you love me. I want to love you like that. I want to have this amazing desire. You know, the Bible promises in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, that if we pray anything according to God's will, he hears up and and he answers us. I also pray and ask God to help me to hate sin and to love righteousness. And you keep asking God to help you to love him, then one day, very soon, you will love him like he loves you. We can find no real joy in walking in the path he tells us not to take. He knows what is good for us, and he has the best plan for each person. The path of disobeying God is a path of unhappiness and death. Do not think that God likes to see his children suffer. All heaven is interested in our happiness. Our heavenly Father does not keep us from doing anything that will bring us true joy. He asks us to turn away from wrong habits, and other things will bring us suffering. He knows they will keep us from happiness and heaven. The world's Redeemer accepts people as they are, with all their weaknesses and their faults, but he will wash away their sins and redeem them through his blood. He will satisfy the desires of all who are willing to bear his load and share his work. He wants to give peace and rest to all who will come to him. He asks them to do only those things which will lead to greater happiness. Those who do not obey cannot know this pleasure. True joy is to have Christ, the hope of glory, in the life. Many people are asking, how can I give myself to God? They want to give themselves to him, but their moral strength is weak. They doubt God and are controlled by sinful habits. Their promises are easily broken, like ropes of sand. They cannot control their thoughts or their desires because they cannot keep their promises. They lose confidence in themselves and wonder if they are sincere. They feel that God cannot accept them, but they must not lose hope. We all need to understand the value of willpower. The power of choice is the ruling power in the life. Everything depends on the right use of this power. God has given the power of choice to each person, and it is theirs to use. We cannot change our hearts. We cannot by ourselves give our love to God. But we can choose to serve him. We can give him the power of our mind. Then he will help to choose the right way. Our whole being will be guided by the Spirit of Christ. We will love God and the thoughts will be and our thoughts will be like his. It is right that we should desire to be good and be holy, but we must not stop there. These desires will not help us. Many people will be lost while hoping to be and desiring to be Christians. They do not come to the place where they yield the powers of the mind to God. They do not choose to be Christians. An entire change may be made in our lives through the right use of the power of choice. 
when we put ourselves on God's side, he gives us great power to hold us. By giving ourselves to God each day, we will be able to live a new life, the life of faith. And I'm sure that as we continue to go through this book, that you will be blessed. You know, I know surrender is a very challenging subject. But look, friend, it's the only way to true happiness. It's the only way to the kingdom. And maybe you're struggling with with surrender. Um, just ask God, help me to surrender myself to you. I want this. I want to do it, but I just, um, I just can't do it. But you can help me to do it. And so, my prayer for you is that, friend. Yeah.
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Malawa 2 People's Radio. As promised, we're going to read from the book The Desire of Ages, which is about the Gospels. And today, today's chapter 49 is based on John 7, 1 to 15, and 37 to 39. At the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times a year, the Jews are required to assemble at Jerusalem for religious purposes. Enshrouded in the pillar of cloud, Israel's invisible leader had given the directions in regard to these gatherings. During the captivity of the Jews, they could not be observed. But when the people were restored to their own land, the observation of these memorials was once more begun. It was God's design that these anniversaries should call him to the minds of the people. But, with few exceptions, the priests and leaders of the nation had lost sight of this purpose. He who had ordained these national assemblies and understood their significance witnessed their perversion. The Feast of Tabernacles was the closing gathering of the year. It was God's design that at this time the people should reflect on his goodness and mercy. The whole land had been under his guidance, receiving his blessing. Day and night his watch care had continued. The sun and rain had caused the earth to produce her fruits. From the valleys of the plains of Palestine, the harvest had been gathered, the olive berries had been picked, and the precious oil stored in bottles. The palm had yielded her store. The purple clusters of the vine had been trodden into the winepress. The feast continued for several days, and for its celebration the inhabitants of Palestine, with many from other lands, left their homes and came to Jerusalem. From far and near the people came, bringing in their hand a token of rejoicing. Old and young, rich and poor, all brought some gift as a tribute of thanksgiving to him who had crowned the year with his goodness and had made the paths drop his paths drop fatness. Everything that could please the eye and give expression to the universal joy was brought from the woods. The city bore the appearance of a beautiful forest. This feast was not only the harvest thanksgiving, but the memorial of God's protecting care over Israel in the wilderness. In the commemoration of their tent life, the Israelites during their feast dwelt in booths or tabernacles of green burrows. These were erected in the streets, in the courts of the temple, or at the housetops. The hills and valleys surrounding Jerusalem were also dotted with these leafy dwellings and seemed to be alive with people. With sacred song and thanksgiving, the worshippers celebrated this occasion. A little before the feast was the Day of Atonement, when after confession of their sins, the people were declared to be at peace with heaven. Thus the way was prepared for the rejoicing of the feast. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, 
for his mercy endureth forever, rose triumphantly while all kinds of music mingled with shouts of Hosanna, accompanied with the united singing. The temple was the centre of the universal joy. Here was the pomp of the sacrificial ceremonies. Here ranged on either side of the white marble steps of the sacred building, the choir of the Levites led the service of song. The multitude of worshippers, waving their branches of palm and myrtle, took up their strain and echoed the chorus, and again the melody was caught up by the voices near and far off until the encircling hills were vocal with praise. At night the temple and its court blazed with artificial light. The music, the waving of palm branches and the glad hosannas, the concourse of the people over on whom the light streamed from the hanging lamps, the array of the priests and the majesty of the ceremonies combined to make a scene that deeply impressed the beholders. But the most impressive ceremony of the feast one that called forth greatest rejoicing was one commencing an event in the wilderness sojourn. At the first dawn of the day, the priest sounded a long, shrill blast upon the silver trumpets and answering trumpets and the glad shouts of the people from their booths echoing over hill and valley welcomed the festival day. Then the priest dipped from flowing waters from the Kedron, a flagon of water, and lifting it on high while the trumpeters were sounding, he ascended the broad steps of the temple, keeping time with the music with slow and measured tread, chanting, Meanwhile, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Psalms 122.2 He bore the flagon to the altar, which occupied a central position of the courts of the priests. Here were two silver basins, one with a priest standing at each one. The flagon of water was poured into one and the flagon of wine into the other, and the contents both flowed into a pipe which communicated with the Kedron and was conducted to the Dead Sea. This display of consecrated water represented the fountain that at the command of God had gushed from the rock to quench the thirst of the children of Israel. Then the jubilant strains rang forth, The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah 12 verses 2 and 3. And unfortunately, friends, we're going to have to leave it there today because... We've run out of time. And uh, so as we come to the end of our, our program, friends, we're, we're just going to finish with prayer. Um, so we just invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to share with the people here in the Manawatu and the surrounding areas. I'm praying, Lord, for your blessing upon our listeners and their families. Father, we thank you for the encouragement as we've read these books today. May each one of us be brought closer to you as we continue to seek you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we give thanks and praise to you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, knowing that not one of us would be even interested in you if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. And so we give thanks and praise to you. And we ask and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, friends, um, just remember these uh, these two books that we've been reading from, Steps to Jesus, The Desire of Ages. We'd be happy to post them out to you if you contact us. We'd also be happy to pray for you, either on air or off air. And if you have any questions for us, would like to make a comment on something that we've said, please don't hesitate to contact us. Okay then, friends, um, from all of us at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz forward slash donate.